I have known Leanne for almost 45 minutes now. Yeah, we go back a long time. A Peterson. Apparently there's been some Petersons here at this church. Leanne being one of them. We are so excited that you're here this morning with us. So I'll have you come and share. People have seen it, but certainly afterwards she has a display of pictures and herself, more importantly, not just pictures, but Leanne, we get to talk to her. Thank Thanks. you. Good morning. It's good to be here this morning with all of you. God is good, amen. Even in the midst of war and chaos and confusion, I've just seen God's faithfulness over and over and over again. But I just stand here before you today in my beautiful Ukrainian dress and on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters in Ukraine, just say thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for not forgetting about us. Thank you for helping us financially. Thank you so much because I know this war has been going on almost 11 months now, and it's a long time. And, you know, the, the needs are only increasing, and support goes down after such a long time. But I'm just thankful for all of you because I know that this church prays for Ukraine. So even in the midst of this war and the horrors of everything that's been happening, God still, still shows himself faithful over and over. Some of those last photos you saw was our church, and you can see it's full and so, I mean, I've been in Ukraine almost 20 years now, and never did I expect to be living in a nation at war. But when God calls you into that situation, he gives you the grace and the strength to go through things you never thought you could, you know? And he gives you the peace that carries you through. And I was gone for five months of the war, and then, because I was here, actually, when it started. Then I was in Poland helping our refugees, our evacuees. We, our church helped evacuate over 1,500 women and children, and that's when they quit counting, because it was just... You can't keep counting when there's that many people that you're helping escape. And um, in Poland, we were on the phone all the time trying to find places for people to live. And just, you know, Poland was overrun with refugees. And sometimes, though, it was hard because we felt like we weren't doing anything in Poland either. Because, I mean, we were buying things for the people that they needed and trying to find housing. But it was only at Thanksgiving when we sat with all of our leaders that one of the guys on our team, like, said, you know, he turned to my friend Amanda and I, and he said, you'll never know how thankful I am for you, because he said, because you guys were there in Poland, he said, I knew I had nothing to worry about, about my, my wife and my children, and then it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so sometimes you feel like, you know, you could be doing more, but you're, you're doing what needs to be done, you know, and I went back in July, and that first Sunday, there was a picture of me <laughs> in church that Sunday. I was there. I stood before my church that I love so much, and I looked out, and it was full, and I knew only 40% of the people that were there. And I thought, oh, we have a lot of evacu refugees, evacuees, and it was only a small percent of them were refugees. Most of them were people from our city because war creates a hunger for God. War creates the longing for peace and for truth and for something that really matters because if you know, I mean, from the Russian side, this war has to be pointless. What are they fighting for? There's no reason for them to be fighting and invading our nation, but Ukrainians are giving all of their heart and their soul and their time because this is our homeland and we have something to really fight for and believe in. And But all these people are just stirred up with a hunger for God and Ever since the beginning of the war, our Church of Truth and our organization, True Hope, has been a distribution point for humanitarian aid. And 
we have been, we've now we've gotten like over 50 tons of food from Samaritan's Purse, if you've heard of them. So, and from another organization, World Kitchen. So we keep getting supplies, but at the same time, there's not everything that you get. So we're buying things. We're buying blankets. We're buying shoes and boots. And right now we're buying generators and we're just helping people. So from the very first of the war, it would be, there was over 200 different families a day coming and getting groceries a day, 200 different families, and they could only come every 21 days and receive more food because that's how great the need was. Like it said in my, that video, over 100,000 refugees in my city at any one time. Since the beginning of the war, my city of Krubor Rogue has only been 50 miles from the front line, which is not very far. <laughs> Um, but in November, the Ukrainian army went and took a whole bunch of land back, and that pushed the front line to now about 120 miles away from us. So we are very thankful for that. Um, in November, though, we went. We went to the south for the first time because there was a church that asked us to come and visit because they had been literally on the front line. When I would wake up in the morning, I'd read the news because I, I don't like to focus on the news, because if you read too much news, it's not good for your mind, and it's not good for your peace, and it's not good for your heart, but I would read it every morning just to see what was going on, because, you know, I didn't want the Russians to be coming into my city, and I wasn't aware of that, but every morning when I'd open my phone and I'd read it, it would be this city was one of the ones that was in the news. It was these two cities, because every day they were being bombed, and so this pastor asked us to come now that the front line had been pushed back, and we went with all, you know, clothes and shoes and food and some toys for their kids and we got to this little church and this pastor him and his five children and his wife stayed there the whole time and we were like I'm like to me I'm like that's you guys are heroes of the faith I'm like why didn't you go you have small children and he's like Jesus was so clear about it that we're supposed to stay and they just brought life and hope to so many soldiers who were right there fighting. They were a safe place for them to come and they fed them and they loved them and they would pray for them and they were there, this family was there when a piece of a missile came through the roof of their ceiling in their church. They were in the basement and thankfully all of them are okay and their church is actually, the wall has been restored already. They still have broken windows but I mean that's just kind of what life is like in Ukraine right now. You see a lot of broken windows. Um, Krivoy Rogue, thankfully, even though it's been so close to the front, has not suffered as much damage as some of the other cities near us, and I think that's because we have so many people praying for us. We really feel like God has called us to be a safe haven, a place of refuge for many, and that is what it is. You know, all these people come to our center, and and, you know, they get what they need, and we help them out. And this center of ours, it's three stories. It's beautiful. It just got finished in September. We have one floor of dormitories and three apartments, 90 beds in September. It was supposed to be done, like, a long time ago. But, uh, you know, how construction goes. It didn't end up getting open until September. God knew. He made things ready, and those beds were full all the time. So many people slept there for a night or two while we helped them move further west or we found them a place to live in our city. And because of it, we have touched so many lives with the gospel. I mean, we can't even tell you how many people have heard about Jesus. And when the refugees come, like, they just love to be in our center because they find it's a place of peace, you know, and that's something they're desperately looking for. There was one family Olga and Diana and her father, and I don't know what her father's name is, but they now work at our center. She's a janitor, and Diana works with food distribution, but they came from a village to the south of us, and they were under occupation, Russian occupation, and the, her dad was just like, we can't stay here, but 
How could they leave? They had this really old car, Soviet cars run forever. This really old car, it was like over 50 years old, and he, one night he said, okay, we're going to make a run for it. And they were not believers <laughs> at this time. They were not believers. But they got in their car and they started driving in the middle of the night, this thing that barely runs, and they came upon all these soldiers, <laughs> Russian soldiers. And somehow, miraculously, they made it through. There's a bullet hole in their car. But they made it through and they ended up coming to our center for help. And, you know, now they're part of our church family. And it's, you know, the, the things that people have suffered, the stories you've heard, many of them are true. The horrors of this war are very real. I mean, it is, so many people have lost so much. Just yesterday in the city next to me, the capital of the region that I live in, uh, an apartment building was struck. And they, it was like, so far, 25 dead, 73 injured, 43 missing. You know, and it's like, that's right there. That's where I go to do all of my official paperwork. And it's, it's like, it's, it's all around us. But at the same time, we just say, God, if this is where you want us, we trust that you have us in your hand because that's the only place. It's honestly, it's the safest place for me to be. If that's where God is giving me the peace to be, it's the safest place for me to be. Anywhere else would be dangerous because then I would, you know, not be listening to the Lord and not be in the middle of his will. And so many people are like, you're such a hero for being in Ukraine. And it's like, well, it's my home. I've been there for 20 years. Where, you know, where else would I be? And all I'm doing is simply picking up my cross every day and following Jesus. And I hope that's, you know, just what any believer is doing, is just saying, yes, Jesus, you first, whatever, whatever that costs me, whatever that means for my life, I will go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll stay where you want me to stay, no matter what is happening in the world around me, because you are my home and you are my peace. There's a verse in the book of Psalms, Psalm 73, starting in verse 25, it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on this earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord my refuge that I may tell of all your works. That's what you learn in war, is that there is nothing else for you but God, you know? When I was far away from my home city, and even now, you know, sometimes you think about, it's real. I could lose everything that I own there. I really could. But none of it matters. The only thing that matters is relationship. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with others. When I hear that all of my people are safe, that's the only thing that matters. When I know that my people and my church are safe, my family there is safe, that's all that matters. And I trust that God has them, you know, in his hand. Most of the women and the children from our church have returned. We went back in July. Most of them came back in August because they had been separated from their husbands and their fathers for five and a half months, and they just decided it's better to be together than to be apart. And that's really what we do every day is just really have an active and living faith because we have to daily say, Lord, I trust you. In my city, because we're so close to the front, the air raid sirens do go off like, all the time, constantly. Like in other cities in the West, maybe once a week they have a siren or once a day, I don't know. So people do go to the bomb shelters there because 
It doesn't happen. But where we are, if we went to the bomb shelter every time an air raid siren went off, we would be doing nothing. We would be living in the bomb shelters, and we believe we're there to help people and to be the light of Jesus Christ. And so we just really feel like, you know, if, if I, every time the air raid siren goes off, all the women in the church, we pray. First of all, we all pray. It's a good reminder to pray all the time and be in God's presence and pray. So we're like, thank you, Lord, for reminding us to pray more often. And then, we, you know, we just trust that God will put it in our heart. If we need to go somewhere, if this is the time something's going to happen, we're going to know because he wants us there. And if he wants us there, he's going to take care of us. And that doesn't make sense to other people, and that does sound crazy, and I can't recommend that for you if you hear an air raid siren here to not obey the air raid siren, but that's what we have chosen, you know? And it's just, it's bringing everyone closer together. Since the war began, crime rates are down. More people are going to church. When we do that evangelism on the street with tea and coffee, I mean, people are desperate for truth. And when they see that we have something that they are lacking, when they see that we have this peace in our life that just carries us through, they, they go, how on earth can you be at peace when there's all this heaviness? Yes, we carry this stress. Yes, it is a lot more difficult than it's ever been to live in Ukraine. But in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm, Jesus speaks peace. And you can live in that peace. It's a real thing. You don't have to be afraid and worried all the time because he is the strength of your life. Like it says, oh, got to scroll. Like it says in Ephesians, no, Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It is supernatural peace. It doesn't make sense to the world around us. I cannot imagine right now living in Ukraine and not knowing God. Yet so many are doing that, you know, and that is what you see is the worry and the fear that takes over people. And we choose, you know, to trust God. The first time I heard a missile strike, I was there maybe a week. It was being shot out of the sky, but it was so loud. Like, you don't realize (laughs) how loud these things are, and my heart was just racing, and I was afraid, and I went and sat in my hallway, and I was just sitting there, and you know, you get on the phone right away, and we're talking to other people, are you okay, did you hear that, did you see anything, and then it's just like, okay, that was when I had my talk with God, okay God, what do you want me to do, and I just had this, this peace, that, how, your heart's still racing, and it's just like this wave of peace came, and it was like, it's going to be okay, I've got you, And I just knew he would let us know, you know, (laughs) if we need to know something, he would let us know. One of my friends has a little garden right outside of the city, and we went there for a picnic. It's like 15 minutes from my house. And so when you're in the city, we have all these huge buildings, and we just 15 minutes just outside the city, and all of a sudden when you get there, it's like you hear this low thunder. This was back when the front line was only 50 miles away. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the sound of war. And then so I'm like immediately on the phone, (laughs) Googling. I'm like, how far away can you hear tank artillery? Because I'm like, are the Russians about to come into our city? Like, what is this? And and then I looked it up, and it's like, you can hear tank artillery like 70 miles away. So it's like, okay, I guess we're safe. We're safe, but it is. It's unsettling to hear those things. But in the middle of it, Jesus, as he said in Ephesians, it says in Ephesians, he himself is our peace. In John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. 
there is a battle going on right now in Ukraine for many things. And one is against fear. One is against worry. One is against hatred. You know, if you let that fear into your heart, if you don't address it, if you let that worry come upon you, that spirit of chaos comes upon you, it, it robs you of your peace. And so many here in America experience the same thing. The devil has a plan of attack on you, and that is to try and get you miserable and far away from God. And he plants these seeds of worry into your mind, and you, you don't have to worry. You do not have to be afraid. It said it right there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid because he cares for you. He is the rock you can rely upon. He is faithful in every situation. And you know, I hate that so many Ukrainians are suffering. I hate it. I hate it. But if it brings them to eternal salvation for their souls, then we still humbly say, thank you, God. This is not my plan, what I have chosen for these people. I would never want them to go through these terrors and these things they've seen, but if they have eternity with you, then it's still worth it. And we still say thank you because you never change. You are always good and you always love us and you, uh, you never stop pouring out your peace and your hope upon our lives. You've got to live for the Lord wherever you are. Wherever you're called, just let the love of Jesus flow through you. Be a light that shines in the darkness. Be someone who proclaims the truth that there is hope in Jesus. There is hope. One of the leadership of my church, we have a very big leadership team. He is one of, he's a soldier, and he was shot in the arm, in the left arm in March. And so, like, one of the things we talk about on leadership is, like, we were like, thank God Dima only got sh shot in the left arm. It's like... What kind of normal people have to have these kinds of conversations where we're saying, thank God it's only his left arm and not his right one, but he was all fixed up and he just went back. He got called back up right before Christmas and he wrote in our leadership group, like, pray for me, I'm going somewhere and I don't know where I'm going. And he said, there's no battles there, I don't know what's going on there. And he got there and it's a massive Russian prisoner of war camp. He said there's thousands and thousands of Russian soldiers. And he was, and so the next message, he's like, pray for me. I'm going to talk to the commander, he said, because I want him to make me the chaplain. I'm going in there to preach Jesus to these Russians because they need it. And that is our heart. Like, that was just, when I read it, I'm like, that is just our heart as a church, is, you know, God died for us, each and every one of us, no matter what nationality we are, no matter what side of the war we ended up on, God died for us. He has a plan for them. He loves them. Jesus died on the cross for them, too. It's not, it's not just us, you know, who are on the right side of this war, but it's for everyone that he died. In Matthew, is everyone still okay? In Matthew 5, 43 through 44, there's a verse that says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your, your, your enemies Oh, it says, okay, sorry, let me start over. You, ha you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. My church put up verses this summer all around our city, encouraging ones, different ones, and this one ended up downtown on a billboard right on the main roundabout, and it caused a bit of a stir, if you can imagine, and you would think it would be the unbelievers that were angry, but it ended up being people from other churches that were really upset. And they were saying, how can you be putting this verse up right now? You know, we believe that God is giving us a time to hate. And it's like, whoa, that is so not the heart of Jesus. They're saying God will forgive us later, but we can hate right now. No, 
That's not Jesus' heart at all. He says pray for them. Because if you pray for your enemies, then God can do something in their lives. It's not that I have warm, fuzzy feelings of love for the Russians, but I value them. I see that they were made to be men and women, daughters and sons of the Most High God, so I love them by praying for them and praying that God will intervene and God will touch them and God will save them and God will change their hearts. We do not have a single enemy on this earth. There is not a single person who is your enemy. No matter what they've done to you, no matter how they've maligned you or lied about you or gossiped about you or said evil things about you, they are not your enemy. There is one enemy, and his name is Satan. He is the one who deserves to go to hell. Everyone else Jesus died for on the cross. All of those who are living evil lives right now and doing evil things, they have believed the father of lies. They have been deceived. They have let the hatred into their heart. And when you let that little seed of hatred in, it's like a disease and it will take over you. It will consume you. It will control you. And that is why we are preaching love because even for Christians, it, it is a battle. You know, it is. Especially for those who have lost their homes, who have lost loved ones. So many soldiers have died on both sides of this war. You can't let hatred come into your heart because one little bit, it is. It's like a seed of cancer that will just take over your body if you don't deal with it. You'll become bitter and angry and unforgiving and unloving and uncaring about everyone. But if you address that seed of hatred and bitterness, if you say, God, I, I don't know, I feel awful right now. I want to hate these people, but I give it to you. Please help me. Please help me. Please forgive me. Please help me. I don't want to be someone that hates. Take this anger out of my heart. Take it. He comes and he will. He will. He will bring that peace. He will give you the ability to bless those who persecute you. That's not just a message for us in Ukraine, guys, but that's right here in America. Here in America right now, I've seen so much hatred, <laughs> and it's like, we have, you know, first world problems. I'm sorry, but first world problems. You guys are such a blessed nation, and you have so much, and yet you fight about things. You know, why don't we just turn back to Jesus? Why don't we turn our eyes to him? Pray for your leaders, whether you agree with them or not. Still, they are in office, and God can use even someone who doesn't honor him for his glory and for his good. But if all you do is curse them, you're not helping the problem. You bless your leaders. You pray for them, as the Bible says to do. Then God can intervene, and God can do something. No matter what things they're thinking, honor God first, choose God first, choose his word over everything else, because we are no longer living under the laws of this world, under the laws of sin and death, but we are. If you have asked Jesus into your life, if you have asked for him to forgive you, and you are a child of Christ, now you live by the law of spirit and life in Christ Jesus, and you are set free from the law of sin and death. You don't have to live under those things anymore, you guys. You can be free from the things of this world. You can honor God and live by his life and his light. Let his love consume you and his peace consume you so that you can be a light that shines in this darkness. And not to be political, because what did I just say? We just pray for our leaders. <laughs> but not to be political, but I have heard a lot of things since I've come back about our president in Ukraine. And all I can tell you is President Zelensky loves Ukraine. That's all we've seen since before the war began three years ago up until now is he loves Ukraine. 
He fights for Ukraine. He's on the front line the day after cities are set free in the middle of mines and bombs and Russians being five miles away. He goes and encourages the soldiers. So I don't know anything else, but we love him. We bless him. We pray for him. So that's my, my 30 seconds on being political. All we see is the good things he does for us. Okay. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's how all of us should live, just wherever we are, every day, loving those that Jesus has brought into our lives, just shining our light wherever we are, just lifting up Jesus. I mean, that's all we're doing in Ukraine. And we, you know, I've heard so many stories to last a lifetime, but even in the middle of that, it's, I, I, I don't have wisdom, you know, for all of this trauma that I hear, for all of the pain. I haven't lost my house. I haven't lost my loved ones like so many have. But I can sit with them and I can listen to them. And when I pray for them, because the Holy Spirit is in me, because Jesus is in me, he, he's the one who ministers and he gives them exactly what they need. That touch of heaven, that perfect peace, that perfect comfort that only he can provide because there's no words that I can say other than being a listening ear. But he touches people wherever they are. And that same light of the world lives in you. And you have as much of that in your life as you want. You have much of the word of God in your life as you want. You have much of, as much of his presence in your life as you want. Over Thanksgiving, I'll be done in just like five minutes. Just hang on, guys. <laughs> Over Thanksgiving, things got a little more difficult for us. There was a huge strike in Kiev at a power plant that caused a surge that put the entire country in the dark. And so for three days, we had like no power, no water, no heat, no phone, no internet, and it was the night before Thanksgiving. And uh, the only thing that worked is my gas stove. And it's like, when nothing works, it's like so quiet. And, you know, it's like, I was like, man, I wish I could just send a text message. <laughs> just let people know that I'm okay. But it, even then, it was just like the presence. As soon as I just turned my mind to God, the presence of God is there. The peace of God. And it's just like, it's going to be okay. They're going to know you're okay soon. Don't worry about it. And I went and made my pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving by candlelight and put it in my gas oven, you know, and it was okay. And since then, the power thing is really serious. We have a lot of outages happening, and that's why our ministry is buying generators because it's so needed right now. We're, we're trying to give generators to every one of the churches that we work with so at least they can be a place of light, of heat. Um, they can charge your phone, and they can always have service too, which is so important right now. In our church, we have a generator. We have our own furnace system, so there's always heat, and we just got Starlink on New Year's Eve, so we'll always have internet access, which I'm like, that solves my one thing. I just wanted to be able to send one text message, so now we'll always be connected. You know, so God takes care of those little things, but in it all, all I can say is he's worthy of it all. Like, whatever suffering you have to go through, whatever inconvenience you have to go through, it's Okay you know, because he is worthy of all that we are and all that we have. There's no one else worthy of giving your time and your energy and your love to than Jesus Christ. If you just reach out to him, he will pour out to you more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine, and you will see change in yourself and in your family and in your relationships and in your workplace if you just honor him and love him. He is a good, good father, and he loves you guys very much. I just want to end with one verse, well, one passage in Psalms. And I'm going to maybe do things differently. I'm just going to ask you to stand with me, if that's okay, if you can stand. If you don't want to stand, you don't have to stand. No pressure for me. I don't judge people. 
I'm going to read 36. If I ever get there. All right, Psalms 146 starts out with, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. I pray for you that you make that same choice every day, wherever you are. In the middle of your struggles, in the middle of your difficulties, in the middle of your joy and rejoicing, choose to give thanks to God because it is so powerful. Even when your soul does not feel like worshiping God, I am in control of this body. I am in control of this mind. I speak to my soul and say, wake up, you will praise the Lord. And I start to give thanks. Because as soon as you do, things change. That peace comes, your, your mind changes. It is powerful to worship and lift him up. So use your mouth and worship the Lord every day, every day. Especially when you feel afraid or angry or scared or confused, worship God. Say, God, I don't understand, but I trust that you've got me. Verse 3 says, Do not trust in princes or in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs and he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. We do not trust in man because they cannot save us. We do not trust in money or how many weapons we have or how much knowledge we have, but we trust in God. We don't trust in any one leader or any one political party or whatever it is. We trust in Jesus, the King of Kings, because he's got everything under his control. Amen. (laughs) How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Amen. He thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Guys, praise the Lord. All the time, praise him because he is your salvation. He is the only thing worth living for, the only one. (sighs) And I say thank you again from all of us in Ukraine. Please do not stop praying for us. Please keep supporting us because there are so many who have suffered, and it's not over yet. We pray it ends soon. I don't know how it's going to end. Maybe a Russian civil war? I don't know. God knows, but we just trust him that we are being his hands and feet where we are every day. So I just want to pray over you right now, if that's okay. Receive from God however you know how to receive from him. But we just come to you right now, Jesus. We just say thank you that you truly are good to us and that you love us and that you care for us and that you have a plan for our lives wherever we are. We thank you that you have filled us with your peace and your presence and your hope and your love and your life, Lord God. And if we are not walking in the fullness of that, Lord, come and bring the fullness to us. Show us the places where we need to surrender to you. Show us the areas of our hearts where you want to move and fill us and do something new inside of us. Lord, I just bless every single person here right now with a heart of thanksgiving, with a heart that will always turn to you and look to you in all situations, Lord, because you are the beginning and the end. You see all things, and you know what's going to happen next. So if we just turn to you and trust you, we can know you will guide our steps every day, Father God. 
I pray right now over this church and each person here and each family, those who are far from you, Lord, we call them back, we call them home, but I pray that each and every one of them will see you moving in their lives, your goodness at work at them, your life at work in them, and how you are a good, good father. Be close to them, closer than ever before. Give them revelation from your word, Lord Jesus, and draw them closer to your heart. And I just bless them in the name of Jesus Christ right now. Amen.